0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: episode of the Midwest Monsters podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff,
2: Venomous Vinny.
1: Hot Tari. Good to be with you again, friends. Uh just a friendly reminder that we are still in a pandemic. And so uh only half of us are vaccinated, so we are not meeting in person still and so we're recording over Zoom. The audio quality is lacking. Please bear with us. As
2: we hopefully said. not as bad as last episode. I was
3: gonna say the good news is it's all up from last recording,
2: <laughs> and
1: and I'm so bummed that last episode was really good content, but the quality was just ugh. So
2: straight doo doo.
1: Let's hope it sticks together for us this week. And so we are. We have taken <laughs> taken on an enormous undertaking in that we are talking about all the movies with Count Dracula in them. Not vampire movies in general. We've already done a vampire roundtable, but this is just strictly a Dracula roundtable. And, Todd, tell us about that number
0: of just how many portrayals
1: of Dracula on screen there have been.
0: So, as of a few years ago, there have been more than over 200 films featuring Dracula. um and that is only the, the second uh, character uh, with the most appearances right Right underneath Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yeah, when I was sitting down to think about this, um, it was like, man, people have made a lot of Frankenstein movies. People have made a lot of werewolf movies. People made some mummy movies, but like nothing on the level of Count Dracula. Right? Probably
2: the most iconic name in horror, I would say. Has to be.
3: Yep. And this is uh, kicking off our 50-part series where we only do four movies per episode. So <laughs> strap in.
1: Uh, and so I'll just say right from the top here: uh, Count Dracula is not my favorite. I have not seen a lot of Dracula movies um, until until I was forced at gunpoint to do this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like so, like I really sat down and thought, and I was like. I might like, as far as the Universal movies go, I might like Dracula slightly better than Mummy. And that's it. Like, it, those two are just way down the list for me as far as the, like, is, what would we call them? Would we call those, like, just the Universal archetypes? I mean, I'm sure they were, arch- they, I know they were archetypes before Universal did it. But, like, I, I, would, I would say of the main horror archetypes.
0: I'm glad that you kept that right. to yourself when you went to get vaccinated or else you wouldn't have got it.
3: Well, like uh, specifically with Dracula, what's interesting with its relationship with Universal is Universal really boosted the popularity and made it an icon. It wasn't a wildly successful book at all, especially in the States. And if I remember correctly, the author, Bram Stoker, died basically impoverished. So this wasn't what we know as today. With the story, and and I think that, uh, and we'll get into it. I'm sure the interesting story with Nosferatu and the legal battles and how that film survived. That's what inspired Universal to do an American version, and that's you know in the process when it became iconic. So I think there's this common misconception that Universal went back to the well of iconic horror literature and took things that are already popular as a you know a shoe in for filmmaking and it wasn't the case with dracula
2: yeah uh i dracula is certainly not a favorite of mine as far as the universal lineup goes um i do enjoy it A portion of Dracula films, Uh, I mostly wanted to cover it for the show because number one, it is such an iconic character, but number two, because Abner didn't want to watch it so bad. (laughs) So it really made me, really made me commit and want to cover this subject.
1: We've already joked about this in the past that we all were just we got to a point where we were hate picking mash picks just to make other people watch movies. We, they don't want to watch. Them. It's not that we're getting to that point with franchises and round tables now. It's really hate, hate picking stuff to make other people watch. Them.
3: Well, and I, I do think listeners would appreciate and should know that this has been well over a year in the making, specifically with venomous Vinnie and Hot Toddy just poking and prodding on this. Try, and it, So I mean, it's a big deal that this is finally happening because I've been hearing about <laughs> this pre-pandemic.
0: <laughs> why, why did you? What was your hesitation <laughs> for Dracula again? <laughs>
1: what was my, hang on, help. Let me try and do it for memory, then you guys could back me up. That so they they brought it up to watch like we would do it in October, and I'm like, man, I'm trying to watch all my favorite Halloween movies <laughs> or Halloween season movies. I'm not trying to watch sad opera movies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so let's just get this out of the way real quick before we touch any films. Do you still feel that these are operatic? Yes <laughs>
0: Which Dracula movies are you watching? <laughs> okay, to
3: you I, to you I, it's a feeling <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay, because
2: I, we okay. all know Dracula has no place around the Halloween oh, season.
3: I was gonna say also a <laughs> side
0: note about that is he was like, nobody's watching Dracula during Halloween. <laughs>
3: movies like prince of darkness and from the hammer series that has no actual dialogue quite operatic
1: (laughs) all right i'll change my position i ain't trying to watch some sad
3: goth movies okay that works you just alienated a huge chunk of our listeners but nonetheless (laughs) 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 go go
1: listen to your cure records
2: if,
0: uh, I hope everybody's enjoying episode one of the trial of Grizzly Abner. <laughs> if, uh, if only they had made a Dracula featuring uh, like Steven Seagal as as Count and uh, Chuck Norris as Van Helsing.
2: Somehow, uh, Steven Seagal has the widow's peak for it now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He'd make oh, a man. Dracula at this point.
1: Oh, well. Why don't we? I can't get with- rid of that image.
0: <laughs> <don't we> start- <laughs> Let's picture Dracula breaking everybody's arms.
1: <laughs> I was like, wait, did I just watch a Dracula movie or someone got their arms? No, it's a different movie. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing you guys want to go way, way back and start with Nosferatu.
2: I say we should probably get that one out of the way.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was that's the first movie made right of Dracula? Or... why don't you i see you have bram stoker on your do you does anybody let's talk about the book uh so i just have a uh, that uh bram stoker released the novel may 26 1897 or abraham bram stoker uh he was an irish author I, I I watched a couple documentaries. I feel at this point, I'm like, which one was fake and which one was real? Because the one was just saying that all this Vlad stuff, that that's not where he got his inspiration at all. But with all the stuff with Vlad, I can't see that it didn't inspire some stuff. But uh, the stuff I read is he actually went to the library, and there was some kind of book. Nerd. The, library, the librarian would actually watch you until you returned it. Um, and it was some big story about um, some kind of urban myth or something in their area about a, um, like kind of like a demon dog that would just show up. So um, I think that's definitely some of the basis for the the, um, the morphine and stuff that Dracula does. But there, I should have rewatched it. There's a good episode of Drunk History
1: where it talks <laughs> about like Lord Byron and his writing, and Mary Shelley goes to like hang out with Lord Byron, and they're all like getting drunk or doing hallucinogens or something (laughs) and then that it's like she's like well i've got a scary story and like she's embarrassed to like say it in front of like these real famous authors and she basically lays out frankenstein
2: isn't that the open of bride that's what i was just thinking
1: and then yeah sure (laughs) yeah that's it and then
2: uh and then
1: um and then also someone like in attendance who was like periphery in that same time was bram stoker and inspired him to write Dracula. so it's like this like there was there was this massive connection between these these big authors at the time
0: I, d- I did see uh that in one of them that his uh his wife also was at some point seen oscar Wilde, and uh sir what is uh the Sherlock Holmes conan arthur doyle arthur conan doyle sure uh so at one point <laughs> she would have been married to one of like these people so long delay. way to go gold digger <laughs>
3: um. I think uh, a lot of the stuff that swirls around its history is probably apocryphal. I I think that he probably pulled some from Vlad the Impaler just for the way he killed his political enemies, Um, obviously impaling with the story of a vampire. Even if it's not true, it's it's sexy enough to to wrap the story up with. But I I don't think there's anything concrete in terms of, of the genesis of it.
1: And that's the thing too. I mean, at least the name, like Vlad, you know, Vlad Tepish was his real name. And he was from the house of Dracul, uh, which would either mean dragon or devil, depending on, you know, which interpretation you take. Or father. (laughs) Father? Is that you, Father? (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Also means five in some languages.
3: Which Ivan Drago, Uh, Rocky Four. What's (laughs) happening?
2: Welcome to the A portion of the show,
3: folks.
1: If you watch, he puts, a, he puts a Fiji water bottle down on the ground.
3: So I don't think there's any QAnon goths, so we've alienated a separate segment of the listeners.
1: 4chan subpage, QAnon goths. Um, so, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the vlog story so i know a lot about that and like i like when they incorporate that into the dracula movies but uh yeah it's interesting to know if that would have influenced you much
2: uh, has has anybody uh read the book
3: Is i read it curiosity
2: the
3: first half in like maybe early middle school it's it's interesting but it's certainly not an easy read especially for a younger person i can't remember the the term for it it's like a pistolary Is that how you say it, a pestilary? Where it's told all through journal entries, you know, diaries, news clippings. That's the way the entire book is, Um, uh, ranging from like, I mean, just anything you can come up with, telegrams, it's how the characters navigate through the story, it's told through that, and so I thought that was really cool back then, but it got long in the tooth pretty pretty quickly, so I've never read it all the way through.
0: Um, I, I, I feel like the first time I read it though, I feel like it was a really shortened version cause I was in grade school and I can't imagine reading. Uh, and I remember like the story just being kind of stuck with, um, uh, Jonathan Starker in the castle. Um, so I think it was probably like a, um, uh, very stripped down, uh, perhaps the junior story, novelization. Pretty much. Uh, the
2: illustrated classic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember those illustrated classics. I feel like Dracula though is like uh, one of those. I feel like I have ten different copies of this book. Um, it's been a long time since I read it, but I used to like to read it around Halloween time. I read it. It's been about ten years, but I have read it.
2: I was just curious if we had read it. anybody I, else had read it.
0: I, I was so kind you, of confused though about the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula's guest, and then I was look as we were doing this episode. I looked into uh, that. Apparently, the first hundred pages they thought were so. Um, a little bit too much that they had him um, excise it from the book. And eventually Dracula's guest, that is like the first, that's, that's actually the start of Dracula. Um, Which didn't they
3: release that like a decade later or something? I think so. Yeah. It's uh, so basically what that was, was Vinny wanted to flex on us. He tricked us into admitting (laughs) we had read it. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, I do think it's important to point out too, that I think this is a, an interesting and fun gateway into horror especially at a younger age because you even know like the count from sesame street i mean everybody knows who dracula is and so it's a really easy concept to get into um and the idea of it being from classic literature that's over a century old um there's something very romantic about all of it now it's a little bit of a slog once you get into it but the idea of dracula (laughs) i mean it's as you know, generic and basic as as haunted houses at at uh, Halloween time. So it I think that's wild, part of what though. attracted to me.
2: It is wild the the staying power and how it really has permeated pop culture, as you pointed out. Even small kids who you know have never seen a single Dracula movie tend to know who Dracula is, and right. it tends to be they poke fun at it in Hotel Transylvania, but it everybody kind of automatically does the Bill Lagosi accent as well. Like yeah. it's that ingrained into the, the, into pop culture. It's wild.
1: Like I watched a Count Chocula documentary for this <laughs> so that I could just talk. About <laughs> no, but dead serious though. I mean, raise a hand. How many of you at some point in your life bought a cheap plastic cape, had your mom draw a widow's peak on you and had some plastic things? Oh, yeah. I mean yeah. oh, I did I that last
0: week for <laughs>
1: yep. 4 for 4. <laughs> I mean it's just like, you know, yeah, it's just inescapable. So yeah,
0: so uh where should we start? Who wants to start us? Are we going to Nosferatu? Uh well, you know, I, I think the reason he's so popular is is uh nobody really owns at this point the name Dracula and and that is a good point to roll into Nosferatu. Yes. Um uh, 'Cause Nosferatu, uh, which was released in 1922, and starred uh, Max Schreck as Nosferatu, which uh, is basically the Bram Stoker story, but without. Uh, we're, were rights even that big a deal back then? I mean.
2: Uh, yes, that's what got it taken away. Bram Stoker's widow is the one who. Uh, the copyright infringement because this was a German movie. Basically they just changed the names of the characters. So and and just and did a movie and she was like, fuck that. And it's a wonder that we have anything we can see Nosferatu now with London after midnight being gone and we can see Nosferatu, which was actually like ordered to be destroyed. And don't isn't every copy we have ever seen of Nosferatu come from one real that somebody found. I
0: was going to say weren't so, destroyed but one.
3: So here's the interesting story on that is they the the widow took them to court and won. But in America it had already become public domain. There were prints here in America. After that order was thrown out uh for them to strike the prints and so it's still very quietly circulated. In the U.S., and they started striking up more prints here because it developed a, a cult following from it. But that goes to show you earlier what we had talked about with them not making money from this. It had already fallen into public domain. I mean, this book wasn't even twenty-five years old, so this was not a big-time best-selling classic. But that's the reason that anybody gets to see Nosferatu today is because it had fallen into public domain here, and so that's just kind of how people got away with it being over here and just a cult following kept it alive. And it is still, in my opinion, the best silent horror movie there is. There's a a handful of them um, that are excellent and certainly some that are more curious than they are scary, but Nosferatu is legitimately good. The imagery is still frightening. Uh, Yes, it is just almost a century later. And so I just, I think it's so fascinating that, that movie came that close to being gone for good. And now yeah. I have it on a pristine Kino Lorber Blu-ray a hundred years later.
1: <laughs> Can you picture like people hanging out at Speakeasies doing the Charleston watching Nosferatu?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and no, this doesn't have Charlie Chaplin in it, you smart ass. <laughs>
0: So uh the <laughs> Stephen King's son, there's like a TV show now, and it took me till like a year ago to figure out that it's Nasratu Cause I was like, no for like it's really weird looking. It took me for a while to realize it says OS. So you must
3: not be uh keeping up with Rybone's license plate post then. Yes, not. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: yeah. Nas482. Yeah. Um So I was going to take advantage uh, for this episode and watch, actually sit down and watch Nosferatu in its entirety for the first time. And I didn't. So sue me. I'm sorry. You're (laughs) whack.
3: That's all right. I I wasn't even sure if we were going to spend much time on it just because it's technically not Dracula. So.
2: I watched it. uh, But this time I watched it. I found I had a DVD at my house. It was hosted. Uh on the show Monster Madhouse with uh Carlos Borloff as the host <laughs> and uh yeah I watched it this time around now I've seen it uh 2 3 times maybe but you're right uh, as far as silent movies go it is absolutely it is the most frightening out of the silent horror movies out there visually yeah. there's there are still scenes that that stand up today when he comes, raising out of the coffin like a stiff board, up towards the yeah. camera, it's a great shot. Great shot. And it's still Makeup, hard to
3: figure out.
2: Yeah, makeup's really good still in it. I I, I enjoy Nosferatu. I, I yeah, and no, I don't I watch. I don't watch many silent movies. Uh, like I watch Chaplin stuff, uh, but. I do I do like to watch uh nosferatu as far as horror movies go I uh
3: I I not only love doing the charleston um <laughs> I love also I love silent movies it's just one of my weird niches and I would recommend this to people who have even the the slightest interest in that era of film it's not the easiest watch if you're looking <laughs> oh
1: professor just disappeared professor
2: us. just bl- blinked out on us
1: he went to go get more bathtub gin <laughs> so he could watch his silent films ah. <laughs> right <laughs> All right, we got the professor back with us. Sorry about that, folks. It's not going to be much of a gap in recording to you, but it was quite a mystery to us. So uh, Todd's going <laughs> to
0: wrap up Nosferatu here and then roll us into Dracula. So I was just going to say, it seems like most uh, most versions of Dracula or vampires is Nosferatu or Bela Lugosi. Uh, when I think of Nosferatu, like uh, Salem's a Lot. Yeah, there it is. Um, so I, instantly, uh, it seems like it's either uh, demons... Um, uh, like Nosferatu, or it's a uh, like a very seductive, like a like Fifty Cent or Bella Lugosi. Did you say Fifty Cent? He's gonna take you to the <laughs> shop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right,
3: all right. Let's I move on to something to else we
2: can really sink our teeth into.
3: <laughs> I'm just afraid uh, to talk again. I'm gonna get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do
1: like that they did a Nosferatu-style vampire in what we do in the shadows. Yes. Yeah.
0: Pizza, pizza. Okay. All right. So uh, moving along to Universal's Dracula 1931, released uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, they also, at the same time, using the same sets, they made a Spanish version and uh, a third version, which I never knew about, which was the silent version of Dracula, because I didn't think about a lot of the theaters still hadn't updated their uh, equipment. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was sometimes still the option was a silent version of these movies
2: that's interesting
0: yeah so i I didn't do a lot of dates and stuff but this one is uh todd browning Bella will go see his dracula and um and probably this i don't know i'm sure there was stuff before this but maybe the start of franchises because universal was like ah we'll make 10 more um because I can't really think of movies that there was a whole bunch of uh, unless they were serials or something like that, um, where they actually made sequels and stuff to them. So
1: Bela Lugosi is the quintessential Count Dracula. I mean, there's there's no way around it. And it is, so I want to I want to say this film is very important. This film is iconic. Um, but again, like when I rewatch it, like I was saying earlier, like if I'm talking about original run universal films, this is very low on the list, but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Like it's it, 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 basically groundbreaking for its time. I mean, I know Frankenstein was earlier, but I mean, when you think of like, when you quote Dracula, like you're quoting like any, anything you're doing, like, Oh, listen to them children of the night, you know, like all of these things, like you're talking like Bela Lugosi and you're quoting this movie, like any anytime that you're impersonating Dracula. And so, um, this was the role Bella Lugosi was born to play
3: sure uh, and I was going to add to what you're saying just to make it a little less uh, uncomfortable it's a boring movie um, <laughs> thank you I, I love old universal films including Dracula uh, but I feel like to to not come right out and say that is a little bit misleading and will make it a less enjoyable experience should somebody want to go check it out this was what launched it all And this is still early in them making talky films and it shows Todd Browning was not ready for for movies with sound. And so you see that with a lack of visuals. A lot of times I always like to point out, I know I have on this show before when David Manners says, look, a wolf. And he's pointing out at their backyard area. And that's all they show is him pointing. You don't see the wolf. Um, and you have many moments where there's just a lot of hiss to it of silence uh, with the the equipment and then trying to place microphones around the room but with that said the the first act of the film is some of the most visually arresting stuff from the entire catalog uh, the crane shots of them going down um, out by the steps down in the basement with the caskets and the women in it that stuff's very very cool um, so, it's still worth seeing, and you're right, Lugosi's iconic. But at the same time, in defense of what you're saying, it's not the easiest watch like The Mummy is. Frankenstein came out, I think, not long after this, and it doesn't have a lot of that slog to it that Dracula does. So blaming it on the the time is only part of it. It was also the filmmaker. And Browning, a year later with Freaks, had gotten over that.
2: I've I'm not familiar with this version. just kidding
1: I was going to say real quick Freaks was just a year later wow
2: talk about 32 was that the year Freaks came out Yeah, dramatically
1: different direction
3: in filmmaking in just a year a much more comfortable director
1: yeah and then I'll just correct myself I thought Frankenstein was before this for some reason
2: no because Bela Lugosi was originally offered the role of the creature in Frankenstein because of the success of Dracula and he turned it down because it was a non-speaking role, and he regretted it forever. <laughs> yeah. but he got murders early, in the room
3: org instead,
2: which everybody early, loves
3: just as much.
2: There's early uh, test footage makeup, and his version was not going to look like Karloff looked like. It was more like the story of the golem. Hmm. Uh, I like this movie just because of what it is. I mean, thanks to this, the success of this is why we have those classic universal movies that followed. So you have to give it its reverence as far as that goes. And the fact that, I mean, I mean it, it, more or less, it was an original, you know, I, it, it became the standard of what horror movies were going to be to follow that. Yes. It, it basically, this movie comes off like a filmed stage show, Right. Uh, and like you point out, when they say, oh, look, it's a wolf, and it doesn't show a wolf. They just say it. They infer it. Um, I, well, I, don't, I, I guess we can, with a broad stroke, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I also, for the first time this year, finally watched the Spanish version that was filmed simultaneously, uh, only because I had heard for so long that it was actually considered better uh, technically made than the one that we all know and love. So I watched it uh, in Spanish, <laughs> but they weren't wrong. Technically movie making wise, made film. it is a better made film. It really is. Of course it's not as iconic because it's not in our native language, but it, they, they aren't wrong. It is, it is a better technically made movie, but this one will always hold a place for me. It's not something that I've got the, the Dracula collection, the Universal put out years ago. I, I think I've got all of theirs except the Phantom of the Opera and the Mummy movies. Or no, 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 no. The Invisible Man movies. But and that'll probably be corrected before too much longer. <laughs> uh but I do revisit it from time to time, but I don't revisit the Dracula movies nearly as often as I do the other characters in the Universal library.
0: I think uh, I think Dracula is probably what I always watched the most growing up and it was because of my dad. Um, so I know like even around Halloween time, the last couple of years uh, just been a lot going on, but usually uh, you know we try to make some point where we watch some of the Universal. And a few years ago, because I've never really gotten really off of the first movie that much, so I actually watched the sequels, which I did kind of lump uh, Universal together. So after Dracula was Dracula's daughter in 36 son of Dracula in 42 house of Frankenstein, 44 house of Dracula, 45. And then Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein in 48, which is when Bela Lugosi finally got to return as Dracula. And that's because they begged, um, for him to return because, uh, in between Lon Chaney Jr. Um, John Carradine, which John Carradine has played uh, Dracula in a couple other films too. Um, I did want to note, though, Dracula's Daughter, because everybody loves talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Dracula's Daughter is 1936, and maybe people just really didn't know what the hell was going on. But um, you want to talk about a major studio uh, movie that has a lot of gay undertones is Dracula's Daughter. Because there's definitely a lot of very uh, lesbian scenes. Because if you think about all the normal Dracula movies, and even even like... um, some of the 80s movies kind of like went backwards and started kind of going back into it. But most of the vampire movies, the the victim was a, a woman because, you know, you don't want to see uh, Bella Lugosi sucking on a man's neck. So, um, you know, usually if it's a male, maybe victim, you don't implied. Well, I mean, we all like what we like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing since
1: Benny hated Dracula's daughter because he's a bigot. <laughs>
2: you trying to get me canceled is that what's happening no. uh i haven't i haven't watched a whole lot of uh dracula's daughter in the past but i did watch it i've seen it a couple times um spingooly tends to host it quite a bit usually when spingooly's on i'm kind of paying attention to something else while it's on in the background so i actually sat down popped in my dvd and watched the full thing this time and it's a much better film than i think i ever gave it credit for i i think i kind of always dismissed it because bela lugosi wasn't in it um but i watched it again this time and it's actually it's actually a pretty good movie and you're absolutely right the uh lesbian I don't even know if I'd call it undertones in this movie. No. I think it's it's yeah, fairly it's overt. overt. Yeah. Fairly overt. But it it's really it really is a better film than I've ever given it credit for.
0: I, I always like Dracula's daughter. I think I think the third one is just kind of blah. Wow. Blah. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. The, uh, that, the house movies and <laughs> of course Abbott and Costello to me. Uh, yeah. Uh I love the house movies. And I agree
2: know. with you. Uh, that the son of Dracula was, with Cheney Junior was just kind of meh, but I do enjoy the House movies.
1: Sidetrack, Professor. Who was the French director that did all the like lesbian vampire movies? Jess Franco. Franco was it Roland?
2: James. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs>
3: uh, you'd have to elaborate because, like. I didn't know if you're talking about like, uh, vampiros, lesbos or whatever. That's Franco. Yeah. Like not like,
1: not like exploitation movies, but just like they were. Anyway, why are you making Robert's
2: like, Hey, what, what vampire (laughs) movies out there are kind of homo ironic, Professor?
3: (laughs) I just (laughs) want (laughs) to know. Research
2: answer all I cannot
3: definitively answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, with, uh, Universal's franchise, I I think that um, Dracula's daughter is very, very underrated. And to disagree a little bit, I I think so is Son of Dracula. I think it's very, um, very Norrish and it's an interesting film. And at times, um, I I think the problem for a lot of people is that Chaney's a little hulking for that character. Um, But he's pretty imposing. And there's a, in particular, there's a scene that's always stuck with me. Of him gliding across the lake, many decades yes. before Spike Lee was doing it, it's a really cool scene. So um, I think I'll it's important to, to uh, contextualize too with this that this is the last time they tried seriously with Dracula, because after that, it's what's they're called the monster rally films. They're just throwing all of them together, and, and I the love monster them. I'm parades. Not, yeah, yeah. I, and I, so I'm not being dismissive of it. House of Frankenstein was my first horror movie. I'm very fond of it. But Dracula is an afterthought in those um, until we get to Abbott and Costello. Because, I mean, in one of them, Carradine's character, spoiler alert, is gone quite quickly. Um, So I, I do think if anybody's interested, those two sequels are really fascinating because they don't go straight back to the well. They do in the sense of using the property and getting that in the title. But the movie's not just more of the same character of Dracula. They really tried to go in different directions uh, with bringing in Son of Dracula, Alucard, Count Alucard to uh, America, and so there's some interesting twists. But they're both very, very stylized, and it's it's very surprising if you get these legacy collections, you'll see these sequels that are just cranked out. But Dracula is different. It was never cohesive, and they were the first three were sincere efforts. Um, and I think that's what makes them unique.
0: Anybody else on uh, Universal?
2: Not their strongest franchise, but, but I will say the professor is right. It is certainly a different approach in that franchise than what you get in the other movies. And maybe even it's a lesson learned, and that's why they did try to stick to more of instead of trying to get more artsy and try things different, they realized the audiences did want the same thing over and over again.
0: Well, for the uh, for the sequel, they they actually were going to do the um, Dracula's guest, but then they did not want to pay for the rights to it, so they were just like, ah, eh, what well, is the right-around thing? Uh, and then I think that's part of why, because I think Bella wanted a lot more money. I think that's what screwed him on um, the deal with Dracula, and Universal just didn't think that any of that mattered, so...
3: Poor uh, Bela, he didn't always make the best decisions.
0: Yeah, but then he played Dracula forever and um and fifty thousand vampire movies. Um, so he,
2: didn't they, I saw a thing where they said that that's often how uh, Boris Karloff referred to Bela for the remainder of his career was poor Bela.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. We're it down Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, moving along to the 50s uh, would be the uh, Hammer Dracula films. So uh, the first one, I, I believe over there was called Dracula, and then here it was um, Horror of Dracula, which was nineteen fifty eight. Uh Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, and usually one or the <clears> other <throat> kind of carried the franchise. Um, I think Christopher Lee was absent in maybe one of the films, maybe? Sequel. Yeah, so um was
3: yeah. Like,
0: he was uh not in Brides, I think, Brides of uh
3: Right. He's not in that one. Or the last one.
0: Yeah, and then there's uh there there are two that's listed that I when I looked them up, they're not really hammers like, well, we made them, but we don't associate was the the last two was the Count Dracula, nineteen seventy, and Dra- Dracula and Son, which was seventy-six. Uh but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Uh, nine, if you include The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Uh, yes, Hammer
3: considers it a nine-film series.
0: Um, I will say for for uh, for this, because i I picked up a few of these. I didn't have time to watch all of them. I feel like I've seen majority of them before. Uh, back in the day when our library had VHS, uh, man, I'd go clean up from there. So I was actually bummed when they got rid of all of their VHS tapes. But uh, – I remember it's weird. I watched Dracula eighty seventy two for this one because I remember hating that movie and it just being goofy. And then I rewatched it and I'm like, it's not what I remembered at all. I actually enjoyed the movie a lot better uh, uh, watching it this time than than the first time. So uh, I don't know what I was thinking because I was I just remember a lot of disco and Dracula, and that's not really what uh what that movie was. So I don't know what I watched the first time, but.
1: So th- these, like other Hammer movies, are either big hits or big misses for me. Like, <laughs> it's just the way it, it rolls with me. And so I watched Horror of Dracula, um, and I don't know, just something. I'm just not crazy about Christopher Lee's Dracula in that one.
2: Oh, you like sacrilege? Okay,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like I like how I, I like him hissing at people all the time.
0: I do think that and then the, the, the blood down, down the lips is probably what, what Christopher Lee brought to what we know as Dracula.
2: I enjoy Christopher Lee as Dracula because he is a physically imposing Dracula without being uh, monstrous. He just – Christopher Lee's size makes him He's more also intimidating very smooth. in my eyes. Yes. Uh, I love Peter Cushing. I'm a huge Peter Cushing fan. So, and especially when you pair he and Christopher Lee together, I I'm gaga for it almost every time. I really enjoy this particular movie, but this is also what becomes problematic for me with Dracula as a character is how many times can I watch the same movie with the same characters and the same plot? So But that's what you I love about Go ahead. Go ahead. But that's what I like about the Hammer movies after that first one is that once that is out of the way, you get a ton of original Dracula content where you don't have to sit through that same movie again and you get the character of Dracula and the lore, but it takes you a direction that you've not been on before, the same way they did with the Frankenstein franchise.
3: That's a good point. Uh, Can we get t-shirts made with Vinny's face that says, always pushing for the cushion? (laughs) um are we going through entry by entry or just speaking on this as a whole with the franchise
2: i think yeah do what you want to do i i kind of think because i've not seen all of them so i'm just kind of lumping them
3: together okay if we're doing kind of an overview for listeners uh, with the hammer series and there's nine movies for me i love the first four don't really care much after that I've seen them all. Um, There's still some merit in some of the later ones. But if I, like, I really like Prince of Darkness. the third film from 1966. It's very weird, too, because he doesn't have dialogue in it. And that's not a knock against him. That's not why I particularly like it. But I think visually, uh, it's the most impressive. Uh, You know the rule of thumb, too, with uh, Hammer movies. If it's good, Terrence Fisher probably directed it. She frequently did. Um, But I, for me, the the tipping point is between "Has Risen from the Grave" and "Taste the Blood of Dracula." Uh, "Has Risen from the Grave" is sixty eight, and that, that's kind of where I check out. "Brides of Dracula" is a very underrated movie. It um, is, I yeah. So I think if somebody's interested, you should really dig into the first four. And if you're fanatic, if you're feeling fanatical enough I'm about it, keep going with the rest of them. But I feel like that's that's the real quality uh barometer.
2: If people don't like Hammer, I'm not going to hold that against you. Because as you've said before, Professor, they are stuffy movies. They can be stuffy movies. Um, I've seen most of the Hammer Dracula movies. I tried to watch as many as I could. I wanted to watch as many as I could for this podcast. However, just like everything Hammer, it is very difficult to get a hold of all of it. Uh, especially with streaming devices, where you're where you're trying not to pay, you're trying to get with uh, watch what you can off of the subscriptions that you already have going. So the only hammers that I was able to watch this time around was the or- the original Hammer Dracula, and I watched uh, Dracula and His Bride, which was a heavily edited for the U.S. version of Cur- uh, uh, Satanic Rites of Dracula. And I liked it well enough. It was set modern day, and Peter Cushing was back as a descendant of Van Helsing. So um, I still enjoyed it. I still got what I enjoyed out of uh, the original Hammer Dracula movie with this movie. But I've seen them all. They they vary in quality as you, as you watch them. It's same as same as the Frankenstein franchise with Hammer. But for the most part, I do enjoy it.
1: Remind me, is it Risen from the Grave or Prince of Darkness that doesn't have dialogue? Prince of Darkness. Oh, I thought it was Risen from the Grave for some reason. There's a funny quote. At least I think, once I'm mixing them up. Maybe. I'm not going to fact check it. uh, I like where someone had asked uh, Christopher Lee about it. They're like, this is one of Hammer's best Dracula movies, but you don't have any dialogue. Why don't you have any dialogue in it? He said, if you had seen the dialogue, you wouldn't have wanted to read it either. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: it's it's hilarious to me the the relationship that christopher lee had with this role yeah like i saw interviews where people and he's like look when i was a young actor starting out was it my plan to be known for playing count dracula and these horror movies (laughs) no but every actor wants to be remembered for something
0: he, and he, he is remembered is. for this. Yeah. But a lot
2: of times he said he was guilted into doing these movies because they were like, look, if you Chris, if you don't do it, all these the crews, not going to have a job, <laughs> <laughs> how are they going to feed their family. And so they appealed to him like that for many of these sequels. And that's how they got him to agree to come back and put the cape <laughs> on again. Cause he was really over the role much sooner than when he stopped playing the role. But because He didn't want it on his shoulders that the crew wouldn't have work if he didn't make this movie. He went ahead and did it. So that's, I think that speaks to the character of Christopher Lee. Absolutely.
0: I was going to say he, which is like, there's like 12 Dracula's that he's played, but he's in like 300 and something movies. So I think he's okay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, I do want to point out before we move on, the last one in the Hammer series is uh, has no Christopher Lee and plenty of Kung Fu.
0: Well, that's a, oh say, yeah. I've, I've never seen that, but I've seen the trailer and I'm like, why have I not watched this movie?
1: Okay. So my goal for this episode was to, to seek some of the, the farther out movies uh, that, that you guys may not have watched or dug into. So I watched the, uh, the legend of the seven golden vampires.
2: I'm jealous. I'm jealous on that because I do not think I've seen that one.
1: It's on YouTube. Um, and. Peter Cushing is in it as Van Helsing, which is fun. And um, it's, it's not just a Hammer movie. It's a Hammer and Shaw Brothers collaboration. And so for those of you who are in the Kung Fu movies, Shaw Brothers, if it was a dope Kung Fu movie, nine times out of 10, Shaw Brothers studios put it out. And so out of Hong Kong. And so this is a Hammer-Shaw Brothers collaboration. And it's as ridiculous as you would hope it would be. Uh, <laughs> Just real quick, so I don't dwell on it. But basically, this dude seeks Count Dracula. He goes, he's in Transylvania. It's a, it's an Asian guy, Chinese guy, as they, they says he is, and he gets there and he's like, Count Dracula, you got to help us. There used to be this time where the vampires were king shit over in China, and uh, ever since the Seven Golden vampires were defeated all the vampires have gone down and and we we can't get it going again can you come help us and Dracula just really like insults this guy over and over again and then he's like actually you know what I don't want to be in Transylvania anymore I'm going to take over your body and go back to China and raise the seven golden vampires and it's like and all this fog comes up and he takes over his body (laughs) yeah <laughs> and so they go. It is, uh... oh, have you seen it, Professor?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> just as a, great as you're describing it. You're
1: not as excited about it as I am.
3: <laughs> I love kung fu movies. It's just, I just I'm not sure I'm convinced on the marriage.
1: <laughs> no,
0: no, it's it's not
1: a good movie, but it's fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard it was with Chuck Norris and Jackie Chan. <laughs>
1: oh, don't I wish! But the makeup <laughs> is awful it's just God awful. The makeup is, especially on the seven golden vampires, but there, yeah. I mean, you just, every 10 minutes you get a, a, a Kung Fu gang fight. And so they're like, Oh, let's pause. Who's that guy? Ah! like 10 guys <laughs> all start fighting each other with all the chain, pang pang bang, bang ding, ding, with all the, the swords hitting each other and all the, all the metal hitting each other. I'm uh, oh glad good. that's Those the direction metal. you went with that. Yeah. Yeah. Was was that like,
3: good. Thank God. their weapon sounds. <laughs>
1: I realized that I needed to clarify when I started making those sound effects <laughs> that I was not being derogatory towards the Asian languages. No, that, those were sound effects, all the classic Kung Fu sound effects you'd come to expect. Whew, boy, about got me canceled myself there. Um, <laughs> professor's holding up so okay, gotcha, Professor. So, uh, yeah. So, Vinny... Some night after you get a little heavy in your cups, you should watch uh,
0: Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires.
2: That sounds fantastic.
0: A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, uh, following uh, Hammer, I didn't know which way to go except for with Dracula Sucks, which was the porno version (laughs) of Dracula. Uh, Weirdly, I've seen this movie. Uh, Hashtag old brand. It came out the year I was born, 1978. Uh, I guess there was at least another porno of when they were doing all the This Ain't, which is how they got away with making Batman and Scooby-Doo and all those other porno movies from the 2000s. So there was a This Ain't Dracula. uh, I'm assuming from the makers of This Ain't Happy Days or This Ain't What's Happening. Uh, So uh, the Dracula porno, though, I think this was right around uh, following Deep Throat, where... People would actually turn uh, turn up into the local theaters and go see these uh, X-rated films. Uh, there was a budget with I it. I bet, it that, but they weren't here in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did drive-ins here. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Dracula, porno, uh, and then we have Frank Langella, and Donald Pleasance, Lawrence Olivier, and. Uh, uh, I didn't write down the director, but the score was by John Williams for the remake of Dracula in 1979. Sir, do you mean Lawrence Olivier? Sure. <laughs> Oliver. You say <laughs> Lawrence. Sade, I say Sadie. Lawrence <laughs> Oliver Winery. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: um, okay. Anybody watch that one?
3: Uh, this is my favorite Dracula. Ooh. Nice. The Frank Langella one. Um, more. That was the one thing I wanted to make sure I championed on this recording is to get more people to check it out if they haven't. Um, it you had is told me that before this recording. <laughs> you what?
1: I wish you had told me that before this recording.
3: I tell you every time I see you, you just don't listen to me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. Now, uh, I think if I remember correctly, Hot Toddy got me the soundtrack for this on vinyl couple years ago. It's a great score. Um,
2: is this the one that's unfairly called disco Dracula?
3: <laughs> yes. And okay. well, it's, I will say it's fairly called that for the hairdo, but that's it. Yeah. Um, Franklin Jell has got some, some Saturday night fever with that do, but <laughs> the movie is excellent. Um, the screen factory put out a release, um, the last year or two, And they worked with the director for him to get the color-muted version out that he wanted. So it's not quite black and white, and it's not quite full color. It's got a very haunting tone to it. Uh, It's got some some of the best imagery uh, with Frank Langella going up and down buildings at night. Some very cool stuff with that. And then, as we mentioned with the cast, it's top shelf. You have uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier. You have... uh, Donald Pleasants, who reportedly was a uh, scene stealer with his bag of candy. If you watch the movie, you'll see that he's always got this bag of candy with him. Now, has, drove... he, has
2: he ever been in anything else? <laughs>
3: uh, yes, fans would know him from Halloween, the guy that oh, shot him okay. since time. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, I guess, just drove the actors nuts on set because he would give candy to the, the crew and kids in between takes. He was always just having a blast on camera, hamming it up, using that as kind of his little extra. Uh, but really it sticks to the classic story and the set pieces are wonderful. Uh, and really the only thing that looks a product of its time is the hair on people, which for some reason, especially in the seventies, they never avoided. They would go to these great lengths in movies to set things properly. And then everybody would have these disco dues still. So that's its one downfall in that regard. but And then um, some weird stuff with, with switching characters' names. But it's, it's the story. And it's told classically. And it's got some very, very scary stuff in it. Uh, especially, I won't spoil it, there's a scene in a sewer that is really, really good. So I wanted to make sure that I, uh, I touted this one to make sure people saw this. Because it needs to be watched by more people. It's really good
2: right on I wanted to watch this one but it wasn't on any of my streaming services and I was trying not to spend anything extra for this episode
1: I'm telling you it's like the streaming we always joke about how like every time we're preparing for an episode nothing's on streaming the day after we do the episode everything's on there and I swear there was nary a drop of a Dracula movie on any of the streaming services you could get there
2: there was back in October
3: <laughs> oh, look at him sipping like Kermit over there. The old, the old sad goth. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, funny enough, that porno that was mentioned earlier, vinegar syndrome, did put out. So if you need that in HD, it does exist.
0: <laughs> Fun fact, uh, they all have sideburns on their dicks. <laughs> all right, hey, well, next, some next? Uh, Moving on. <laughs> Uh, so I actually had, uh, the remake of Nosferatu, so 1979, um, Klaus Kinski, 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 sure. Why do you guys have me read? Just <laughs> then I read it from a paper, too? Uh,
3: I just, on a, I just want to veer off real quick and say that one of my favorite stories in the last couple of years was Nick Cage in a Q&A referring to himself as the West Coast Klaus Kinski. <laughs> and, it, and it blew my mind because it's. Pretty spot on. <laughs> That's
1: fairly accurate. We'll
0: talk about Klaus Kinski in another movie here in a little bit. So I think I own this one, but I never, I never watched the remake. Uh, I bought it though around the time that Shadow of a Vampire came out, which is like the kind of like the account of uh, if uh, if he would have been a real vampire when they shot Nosferatu. Um, I just thought i see that. Kind of a cool movie, um, and it came out right around Gods and Monsters, which was a. Uh, the story of uh, Frank Wells um, getting it on with uh, Brendan Fraser. So kind of cool, weird little uh, throwbacks to some Universal films there.
3: Uh, the, Werner, the Werner Herzog uh, remake of Two is pretty good. Um, it's got the lovely Isabella in it. Uh, last name's escaping me at the moment, but it's um, it's a good movie. There's really I not a wa- lot to say about it other than it's a modern update.
2: I watched this one for the first time for this episode, and I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed this remake. As I mean, if you're going to remake something, remake something that has not been done since it was a silent movie. <laughs> that, to me, you got plenty of reason to go for it. Uh, I did enjoy it. I, I thought the, granted, again, you're sitting through the Dracula origin story, if you will. Uh, but I liked, I, I liked the plague end of it with all the rats and all that kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth checking out.
3: I agree.
0: All right. So, um, there are some eighties movies, but, uh, not that I don't have them on the list here. I just thought the next one probably to go over would be, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Cause uh, I feel like in the '80s they kind of branched off and were just mostly doing vampires, not Dracula. What year
2: was that one made?
0: Uh, Dracula was this '93. For some reason, I didn't. Oh, I, it I, I year. thought I, okay, I thought we were.
2: I thought we were talking. You said '80s, that's why. It
0: threw oh, well, me I off. kind of went from the '70s to the. I, I just kind of flipped over the '80s. There's what there's year those.
2: was the What year was the Jack Palance one made? The uh, Dan Curtis
0: Jack Palance. Uh, Does anybody
2: know? Because I, I watched that we, one for this one, and with was, having uh, Jack. It was 1973. Okay. Uh I watched that one and I with Jack Palance I expected something very hammy, very hammy. Uh and it wasn't. I was actually pleasantly surprised by that and I think it was a uh a, a a rather good production for this film. And and I'm I'm not a big connoisseur of Jack Palance's body of work, you know, outside of Batman and City Slickers, but
3: I enjoyed it. I'm just I thought, a connoisseur it, of his body. <laughs>
2: it was a, it was a decent it was a decent uh, version of it, and surprisingly so. I thought I just expected to be a lot more hammy. I just wanted to mention
3: it. Yeah, because I watched uh, the Sherlock Holmes one that they did uh, for our episode that we did on all the different versions of that. Or not, did I say Sherlock Holmes? Doctor Jekyll. You did
1: Jekyll. Um, I knew what you meant.
3: Yeah, the his Jekyll and Hyde was pretty impressive too. And it's interesting because he's kind of almost a caricature of himself and hammy at times. But it's like when you put him on a stage, it belongs there. And so, like, with, to echo what you're saying, it's it's not the, not the case when you get him in those productions. And Dan Curtis was like, you know, the master of horror TV for many, many years.
1: I didn't get to watch this one, but this was also a, a, like a BBC project like Jekyll and Hyde was, wasn't it?
3: Uh, I can't remember what network put it out. Okay. Like, maybe originally,
0: but, yeah, I think uh,
3: it, it played over here somewhere, so. Yeah, because my dad watched them when they aired here, I know. Okay.
2: So, sorry, Bram Stoker's.
0: Okay, so Bram Stoker's, which, uh, pretty big budget. Um, I really, uh, it kind of blew my mind when I heard them making this movie, because I was like, Francis Ford Coppola? Um, but uh, it's it's quite. Cool. I watched the the DVD or Blu Ray for this, and there's actually some feature. I haven't I have really checked it out. I guess since I bought it, there's actually a feature where Francis Ford Coppola is talking about him and his brother. Um, I think that's probably like their first movies that that they were going to see it was the Universal movies, and so he has a huge attachment to Dracula and reading the book. And I would say this is the first one that I can think of where they use like they use the story, but then he does a lot of like. He does stuff with Vlad. Um, there's more of the attachment with because um, in the book and and most of the tellings of it, um, is it Nina? That's uh, Jonathan Harker's. Nina. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, most of the stories, like if he does go after her, it's just to get to him. It's not that that was his love interest. So this one had like kind of a cool retelling, and then pretty notch top acting uh, from every. I can't. I can't hate on my boyfriend Keanu, but it is, he's probably the one that's like really like, Hmm, that was weird that they cast him. But, um,
2: I think Winona Ryder's kind of rough in spots too.
0: They're
1: both. Yeah. They're both bad in this, which is strange because they're both such good actors.
0: I think, uh, just, I think when you have like Anthony Hopkins and, and, and this, and the stuff that they're doing and Gary Oldman, um, I love too that everybody thinks of Bill Legosi and then Gary Oldman, which is uh, kind of true to the book if I remember, because he starts out old. Um, but uh, everybody, everybody started doing this, which uh, I'm sure it's on the list soon as the Leslie Nelson. But I always think of um, the boss from The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Burns. Yeah, yes, Treehouse of Wars. with the with the little uh, weird hair of Dracula. So and doing the shadow stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought this was cool. Uh, I watched this with a friend, and he was talking about the same thing, which I thought this was going to be the biggest porno movie that ever existed because it was hard to get into this film because they really pushed that it was rated R. So um, luckily, my dad wanted to go see it anyways because it loves Dracula. And then after watching it, I'm like, why was this a big deal? And I guess as an adult, I can see, especially early 90s, there's a lot of stuff again with... um, homoerotic and uh and, and lesbianism and and boobies and uh this is probably one of the gorier draculas even though it's uh not really i guess but um all the stuff with vlad and and killing of babies and so that or they just uh were really pushing that if you it's rated r you need to have a parent bring you so um i i think it's cool too this is uh colombia that released this movie, and there for a while, this was a big hit, so it's like they were kind of redoing the how Universal was because they did Wolf and Frankenstein and eventually, like, Hollow Man and um, Mary Riley. Uh, I that was coming. Uh, so they kind of, like, uh, had their uh, little slew of kind of, like, their own little Universal run there for a while, though most of those weren't as good. As Universal. None of
2: which were as good as Bram Stoker's Dracula that they did. All the rest were disappointments, in my opinion. Well, um, I'm guessing from that silence, you guys think I can go fuck off.
0: <laughs> um, I can't argue. I, I'm I really right like really Frankenstein, but like, uh, I think he was slated to direct that, and he was a big producer. And I think eventually Kenneth Brown and they, they just couldn't work together. I think that's why Frankenstein takes a weird turn in the movie, so...
1: I liked Mary Shelley's Frankenstein for the Sega Genesis myself.
0: It was a, I quite see, a unique because game. Because you get to see Robert De Niro. <laughs> this gre- greasy
3: pecker. Greasy pecker. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that whole wave of films, I actually enjoyed those. I do think Dracula is the best production, but I still think uh, Kenneth Branagh's version of Frankenstein and Mike Nichols' Wolf were pretty entertaining films, especially when you look at the abysmal attempts that we've had at so many of these IPs since then. Um, those were all relatively good, but I would put Bram Stoker's Dracula right there with the 79 one is my favorite. Um, I love that they really tried to go into the grotesque aspects of Dracula unlike no one else ever had. Um, because I mean, he, he gets really gnarly with the the kind of bat appearance. And in the story he's like, uh, just completely depleted before feeding. And then he's bloated like a rat afterwards when he, when he feeds on somebody. And so I felt like they tried to tap into some of that. They also really tried to get more into the eroticism of it, which most films had kind of shied away from. Um, whereas, I mean, we've got women popping up on each side of Keanu Reeves in the bed, in the nude. I mean, they really, in all directions, I felt Man, like tried to get into some of the stronger aspects of the story. And for that alone I respect it. And it's got a kick ass score. The score for that is so good.
2: This like movie was a big
3: I was
1: just gonna say it was like a prequel to Knock Knock with Galleries and all the women. <laughs>
2: He's
1: like, no I'm betrothed. Whoa
2: This movie was a big deal when it came out. Oh, yeah. I remember. Like it was a phenomenon when it came out. Oh, yeah. And it and it and we have said, you know, some of the acting from I feel like Keanu was very miscast in this movie. I love him in a lot of other movies and he's good in them. This just is not one of them. Same with Winona Ryder. I like her in a lot of stuff. Just this period piece just wasn't a good fit for her. Uh, luckily for both of them, Gary Oldman, who, in my opinion, is one of the most versatile and best actors of our time, puts on oh, yeah. the performance of a lifetime in this movie. They had good visual effects teams on this, uh, good makeup. All in all, I really like this movie. I, I This movie is a good time. If I Nine times out of ten, if I want to watch a Dracula movie, I'm probably going to pop this one in. I just, I really like the way that, that it was made. It's not without its flaws, but it's still a very, very good movie. And it has certainly uh, earned a spot for a place and time in cinema when it came out.
1: I'll stand on Johnny Depp's coffee table in my cowboy boots and tell him <laughs> that Gary Oldman is the most
3: versatile character actor of our lifetime. <laughs> yeah. I think he's the most under, underrated actor of our generation. Yep.
0: Yeah, Gary Oldman's phenomenal. I, I will say uh, <laughs> this movie had a little bit of uh, unexpected humor, but I, I like, too, that they, they attempted to make Dracula somewhat scary again. And then like not all of it but like man the the when he's the old man it's just completely creepy um even when we were watching the trailer because i remember the trailer didn't show much but it just showed him cackling and um just even the transformation and, and and just how he acts as as like dracula and then uh and then when he's trying to like uh pick up you know when he goes to london so um
1: i really enjoy this movie it's probably my favorite dracula movie um and what really gets me is the cinematography. I mean, just everything about every shot and set, all the thought that went into it, and just just the way it presents itself. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, and I love uh, Tom Waits as Renfield. I think that was a great role for Tom Waits to play. Um, Carrie Elwes plays Cary Elwes in this movie. <laughs> and I think I'm not usually a Cary Elwes fan, but I think it kind of worked for this. Um, kind of like the, the way he worked in Princess Bride. You know what I mean? I think he is kind of, he is better at home in a period piece. I'll say that because he's he's decent in glory as well. Um, but I don't- Robin like Hood, him. Men in
2: Tights. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> another one. That's another one I do like him in. So I think really my problem with him is I don't like him in a modern movie. He <laughs> belongs in a period piece. Um, so yeah, I really enjoy this movie again. It's not great, but, um, me being a big fan of the story of Vlad, I love that it's got that Vlad intro and does it so well. And yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty neat little movie.
3: I would recommend this as a nice starting point for people if they don't know much about the story or haven't seen many of the movies. This is the biggest production it it taps into all of the, the strengths of the story. And something, too, that's easy to overlook is this has a lot of romance to it, which is a big part uh, of the mystique of Dracula. And so I feel like they really get into that in a, in a strong way in this. I
2: yeah. feel like if you were ever going to only ever watch three Dracula movies, you should watch Bela Lugosi, you should watch Christopher Lee in the first Hammer movie, and you should watch this movie.
1: I mean... It's yeah. Th- this I mean, for the modern horror fan, like if a if a twenty five year old was like, what should be the first Dracula movie I watch? This I mean, again, besides Bela Lugosi, but like realistically, what are they going to enjoy? It's going to be this one. And I mean, and Professor, as you said with the romance bit, it embodies the sad goth vibe that is Dracula.
3: Yeah. So yeah, if you have already seen Charles Band's The Creeps, then you want to make this number two. <laughs>
1: if you love subspecies, this movie is for you.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, So uh, next on my list, I had Dracula dead and loving it, which is 95 Mel Brooks and Leslie Nelson starring as Dracula. I am so mad
1: that this isn't streaming on anything. I haven't seen this movie since it came out and i I saw it it, i brought it
0: down i saw it in the theater i was uh (laughs) this 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 grabbed your theater dollars
2: damn it that (laughs) is hilarious i'm like 13. (laughs) all right you know my rule anything you did said or wore in middle school cannot be held against you
0: (laughs) that's a free pass for everybody (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't saw it too, but, uh, I love Spaceballs and I love Blazing Saddles. I think this is one of Mel Brooks's, like, cause, cause Robin Hood Men in Tights was funny too. I think Robin Hood Men in Tights was pushing for copying, um, uh, cause Spaceballs had a lot of original stuff to it. Um, Blazing Saddles. I feel like this movie, they just literally copied Dracula and they were trying to, like, um, kind of get the, to me, like the feel of like Young Frankenstein. but Young Frankenstein had a lot of original stuff to it, too. And I don't know. Young, like
2: Frankenstein, young Frankenstein feels like it's part of the universal. You got son of, ghost of, and then you've got young. It, and it, the way it looks, it all feels like it goes together as one. That's what makes it a genius spoof. I don't get the same feeling from Dracula Dead and Loving It. Dracula so. Dead and Loving It is like scary movie.
3: Yes. Well, you also too, you're getting the Naked Gun and all of Mel Brooks's history when they're both kind of tired. Yes. Um, so you're you're getting basically exactly what you think you're going to get. It's not a disappointing movie per se because if you're watching it, you already kind of know going into it what it is. So, I mean, it's entertaining enough. But it's not the strongest for Leslie Nielsen or
1: or Bob Mel Bokes. by
3: any means. Yeah,
1: I love uh, Peter McNichol as Renfield in this movie. He's so funny. <laughs> he might be one of the high spots.
2: God, how how did I go without mentioning Dwight Fry for Mel Lugosi's Dracula's Renfield? I'm usually a champion of Dwight Fry, and I completely spaced putting him over this time.
3: That's right. probably good. I would have talked for twenty minutes about him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So uh, next, I think it's probably, uh, would be Dracula 2000, which basically wrote the coattails of Wes Craven and then really tiny, tiny, tiny presents. uh, Since I don't think he had any other involvement than his name being on it. And then they made two direct-to-video movies from this series. Um, And basically- I've not
2: seen any of these.
0: uh, Me either. It's bringing Dracula to the year 2000. Um, have you have you seen this uh abner which one dracula 2000 Nope. i think that you i want to be honest with you
2: this is the one i fully expected you to have seen
0: well, the, <laughs> well i will say the the angle which is i don't know that it works but basically in, the, in this version dracula was judas and that's how he has he's undead is he? Ah. Yeah. So there's this weird stuff. Um, see that has that did pique my interest because I have. Heard I'm shocked sure you haven't seen it because there's that you get to see high seas boobies, the singer, not the drink. <laughs> oh, I like the drink. <laughs> um,
2: I just thought since it was made in the year 2000. <laughs>
0: It just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it's definitely, it's again, it's just another copy. It's just set in modern times. Is John Bon Jovi in this one? That is uh, Vampires. <laughs> oh, John Carpenter's
3: Vampires. Um... Bell, Bell.
2: Tommy used to wiggle the dog. <laughs> Come on,
1: guys. We're halfway there. We got to get through this. Oh, no. There's <laughs> oh, don't even. On purpose.
0: Um. So then. No, that's, uh, funny. You know, that's funny. That's funny uh dracula untold which uh was ah i watched that one so go ahead i did too I, i'll talk about it. so that. 2014 they this movie came out though before they were trying to push the the mummy and all that so it was not tied with anything else um i'm sad to say I've. why seen, are you mad about it well <laughs> your tone sounded like you are because you are angry. they're like that or is really and they're like uh well we already did dracula uh we'll maybe tie them together um, I, I, I saw this when it came out and sadly I fell asleep in it. I don't know if it was cause I was tired or I was just bored. Um, but you love that shit. Tom Cruise, mummy movie. I did like <laughs> that one. This, uh, I thought was kind of other than the ending when they bring him up to modern times and I do like, um, Luke Evans. So who's Luke Evans? Dracula. He's a good actor. Oh, okay. He's homosexual, so you wouldn't know him. So, <laughs>
2: how did I get Brandon a bigot?
0: Is he gonna like that 2? too. God damn
1: it! <laughs> uh, Vinny, you go first on Dracula Untold. Now
2: back, clean up. Uh, i, I, like I watch it. not seen it? I watched it because uh, it was on one of the streaming services that I get. <laughs> uh, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised by this movie, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I liked that it wasn't a retelling of Bram Stoker's story that I had seen a hundred times by the time I had finished watching stuff for this episode. So that was that was a breath of fresh air, that it was a different take. Uh, I always liked watching old boy who was uh, uh, Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but he's in it as well. Uh, so it's an origin story of Dracula, and it's an origin that you've not seen before. It's a different take. It yes. has has old boy who plays Jesse Custer in the Preacher TV series in it as well. Yep. Um, I don't know. All in all, I like the movie. I like that it was a fresh take. Um, some visual stuff that I thought was really cool. It made Dracula a sympathetic character. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I, I like for, for being a new Dracula movie that came as a total surprise for me that I actually enjoyed it.
1: It literally took the first five minutes of Bram Stoker's Dracula and made a 90 minute movie out of it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That's true.
1: And, and it's not a bad thing. So they took the, the backstory with Vlad, the armies, you know, the Transylvanians fighting the Turks, um, which is, you know, true story to true to Vlad stuff um even the the idea of his wife uh dying and that is what set him off and put him on an evil path um yeah like it's it's not a great movie but it's entertaining no. like you know like that's 90 minutes that i felt were 90 minutes well spent in a, cin- a cinema sort of way um and when i got done i'm like this is what could have launched your dark universe for, for universal to bring it back like this was it. it was it was a perfect setup for a sequel todd who loves sequels could have got three more off of this one like th- it was a perfect setup because at the end it comes to modern day and he sees a woman who looks like his is lost love and it's like boom we could have had a modern day dracula story um it had all the right bones we'll put it that way it had good foundation and again not a great movie. I'm not going to tell you to run out and watch it, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you, if you watch it, you'll be entertained by it. And, um yeah, I feel like they, it was a huge missed opportunity to not continue on to this and then to have that big swing and a miss of a Mummy movie.
3: I haven't seen this. Would you say it paints him more sympathetically than the musical in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? <laughs> <laughs> No, because that's the greatest Dracula <laughs> reference ever made.
0: <laughs> I can't. I
1: can't. I think forgetting Sarah Marshall's the best Dracula movie ever made.
0: <laughs>
1: you finally got your fucking opera. <laughs> and if I see Van Helsing, I swear to God I'm going to kill him. <laughs>
0: I had to do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um so have uh, you not seen dracula untold have i have
2: you have you seen
0: it yeah what um, did, you, did you give your opinion fell you asleep i own it but i haven't rewatched it um oh, fair enough think, well, there it I, is i think what uh turned it off for me was i think when they they were kind of like let's make it more action uh
1: it is very much an action movie i'll give you that credit
0: because because i like the I like you the like re- that tom cruise mummy movie she <laughs> <laughs> killed babies. I'm flabbergasted right now. So
3: what is Jason scary? Statham Dracula?
0: <laughs> Which you know, part of maybe why this worked and the Mummy didn't is that Luke Evans isn't a huge. I mean, he's getting bigger, but he's not a huge name. So maybe that's fair. The Mummy should have been somebody smaller that didn't take over. Cause Cause you can't do anyone smaller. You than can't dogs. go. I was gonna say that you set that, that up.
3: Prince Nobody's smaller than Tom Cruise.
0: I will say uh, I like The Mummy, but it is Mission Impossible. It's it's definitely Tom Cruise took that shit over. Um, So anyways, next on the list that I have, uh, there's a lot of in between, but I just kind of stuck with the big ones, and I figure everybody else can fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dracula 2020, the Netflix BBC production. Did anybody watch that? I have seen not all of it, but I have watched some of it. I started watching it because I've been wanting to, to see it. So I watched it for this and I was blown away. Um, Dracula is actually scary, I thought. Um, it was a cool retelling. And then there's three, it's three episodes. I think they all run an hour and a half. The third episode blew my fucking mind to where I was like, okay, I got to stay up till four in the morning now to finish it. Um, because basically the first part of it is the uh, kind of like a, the essential Dracula story. The second part is the ship where he is like coming over and there's a lot of cool stuff that they did on that. And I don't really want to say what the third one is cause it's definitely a huge spoiler, but, um, I thought it was awesome. Um, he meets up with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, no. <laughs> but, um, there's, there's definitely a twist on a lot of the characters. Like Van Helsing is uh, a woman. She's a nun. Um, uh, There's characters that you care about um, more than some of the other stuff. So, again, it was like a cool horror movie because uh, you knew that these people were going to get killed. Um, It's vicious. Like, Dracula was like vicious AF. Um, So, I was really impressed with this one. So, I I would definitely highly recommend this.
2: I was very impressed with this. I enjoyed very much the first couple of episodes. Where they lost me is when they came to modern times. Well, when they came to modern times, it kind of ruined it for
0: me. Uh, On this
2: show, I don't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> so I will, I will say, so I thought that was cool and it was a cool bridge, but it, it I will say it didn't hold up as well when it came to modern times, no. but I still, but they did problem. some, they Man, did the some.
2: When, when he goes to that convent back in the old times and is outside the gates Oh, it is menacing. It is scary. Like comes
0: out of the dog.
2: Yeah, man. Like there is some really good stuff on it, but like I say, they lost me with bringing it to modern times. I was all in when it was the, in the older time.
0: The, the, the modern times is cool. Cause then you get a lot of the classic characters and it's like a twist on them, but the scariness is definitely gone because then it's like, I feel like Dracula is not as in control as he was in the first two episodes. Um, and again, like Dracula was pretty scary. Um, they always talk about, um, like Freddy and stuff. There's always a problem where it's, he's too exposed. So you can never make these characters scary again. And I think that they're like, no, you can. And Todd, I think I've heard you say before, before you had watched it,
2: that what you had heard about it, something that appealed to you about it oh. is that finally Dracula wasn't straight washed. And yeah,
0: you know what? Let's be real. Dracula likes the hole and the pole. And this <laughs> one brings us... Uh, speaking of run.
2: t-shirts, can we get that one made, please?
0: It's <laughs> to be on the back of our next round of Midwest Monster t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one that I was going to mention is that... um, So The Invisible Man, which kicked ass and was really cool. Yes. Is that they are actually well, working on um, the next Dracula film. So... I think all their movies kind of have this low-budget feel, and I think that's what really worked for Invisible Man. So I'm cool. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Dracula. So um, I hope they
2: do the origin story again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been told. <laughs> um, so most of the ones I left off the list, it's because Dracula makes an appearance, but there's a lot of really cool films I left off, and I figure you guys have some of you guys probably want to chime in, too. So um, have it.
2: How about Dracula versus Frankenstein? We kind of touched on it a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to watch that movie. for
0: this because of the the documentary that we re- recently watched, but I did not get to watch that.
2: Man, it is weird. It is not a good movie, but somehow like I love I love shitty horror
3: movies <laughs>
2: sometimes too. And it's a shitty horror movie, but
3: it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's there's not much to say past that. It's pretty much what you're tuning in for.
1: Um, I've got a couple other run-of-the-mill ones that you guys probably did watch, but one that I want to bring up that I, that I was keeping under my vest, but I did try to get Vinny to watch it in the last day or two, and it didn't come through. But uh, I should also have my El Santo uh, shirt on because I love El Santo. Um, he was a He's the most famous luchador wrestler out of Mexico of all time. But he was also a huge movie star in Mexico. Movie star, book star, comic book star, like, he was everything. And so they put him in tons of movies. Action movies, horror movies, westerns, you know what I'm saying? Like, El Santo was the guy. And so there was a movie that was later called El Santo and the Treasure of Dracula. But when it was originally made, it was called El
3: Vampiro y El Sexo. (laughs) (laughs) And, get and, out of the way, Citizen Kane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually a, um, it was a, it was a sexploitation movie, but I don't know why El Santo did it. And then his family fought or like someone fought to not get it released. I, I didn't catch up on the story. Like I, I, I got it years ago on, on Cinemaghen just because I had heard about it and I love El Santo. But um, because he was like a child, a kid's hero too. Like, I mean, everyone loved El Santo. And so much so, he stayed so true to his character because in Mexico, a true luchador or lucha libre never removes his mask. No one besides his wife ever saw him without a mask. Like, to that he was even buried in it. So anyways, it's just this fun, it's this silly romp where uh, El Santo... invents a time machine
2: (laughs) like luchador wrestlers are prone to do
1: yes absolutely and then they they've got a friend who's stuck back in time and they actually have like tv they can see what's happening back in time and so they send a woman back in time to help figure out what's happening they find out that it's dracula and dracula what he does is he seduces women and that's where just like the whole sex exploitation part comes in as you just get some scenes of Dracula's army of women, which is just like eight well endowed women that he just like feels up and bites on the neck, and then he puts a little bat stamp on them, and that means they can fly. Yeah, <laughs> sex. I don't have to make this for
0: Hulk Hogan, <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, and so then they find out that Dracula has this treasure in El Santo. And this villain character, who's not Dracula, are trying to get this treasure, and there's some santo and so El Santo challenges the villain's main guy to a wrestling match. So you get a 15 minute wrestling match <laughs> in the middle of the movie. Because this El sounds Santa- like
2: this <laughs> sounds like this movie is just going to scratch every itch.
1: <laughs> every El Santo movie has a 15 minute wrestling scene, and in True Lucha Libre style, they, it's a three fall match. So. It's not just one pin. Someone has to get pinned two out of three times. And guess what? El Santo always loses the first match. (laughs) So he's got to beat a guy two more times, which gives us 15 to 20 minutes of El Santo wrestling in the middle of an action horror movie. (laughs) And so it's silly. It's fun. I'm glad I watched it. I love it. And then at the end... Does Van Helsing (laughs) wrestle? At the end, uh, the feds show up. And, and blow up part of this place which causes uh dracula and his sexy vampire women to all disintegrate and when they come down they're like el santo we heard your distress call what happened and el santo's like well dracula and these vampire women were here and you you brought the house down and the sunlight came in and killed them on there's all their piles of ashes and the government's like el santo you're crazy and they just leave <laughs>
3: <laughs> they give you an 80s freeze frame
2: yeah exactly
1: so yeah there you go el vampiro e el sexo or dracula or el santo and the treasure
0: of dracula that was not on my list <laughs> <laughs> i bet it is now uh i was gonna say just
1: the other ones that i watched uh i watched all the, the whole hotel transylvania franchise uh that's some of the best work that dracula's done uh, you I, watch the franchise? <laughs> no, I've only seen the first one in all seriousness, but I like it. It's fun. Adam Sandler plays Count Dracula. Uh and then Mel Brooks plays his dad later in
2: the sequel. Does he?
1: Yes. Um I watched Dracula's Count Dracula's Great Love, I believe some of you guys have seen that one. I watched
0: the Elvira version. Okay. Yes.
1: God. Yes, I watch that. I watch the hosted by Elvira as well. And that's is that the one where Paul Nashi plays
2: Count Dracula? Man, I love me some Paul Nasche. Uh The professor and I had a text conversation about Paul Nashi because I discovered he played a hunchback in another movie that I had no idea about. Paul Nashi is legend in, <laughs> and 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 horror movies. He has played it all. I love Paul Nashi.
1: But he's the one who plays Dracula in this one, right? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that one, that one's pretty fun. And
3: then-
2: yeah, it, it was definitely a movie with Paul <laughs> Naschy. About Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> right?
3: I'll be honest. <laughs> I watched the Elvira DVD, but I don't remember a damn thing about it. It's been a couple of years. Why do you? I Andy
2: Warhol Elvira made it, it worth him. watching.
1: Uh, Andy, I didn't get to watch the Andy Warhol one. <laughs> uh yeah there's not a whole play <laughs> professor
2: just made a face like he <laughs> ate a fart when, when <laughs>
1: andy warhol was mentioned <laughs> and then um i watched jess franco's count dracula from 1970 and uh how'd well, that go <laughs> it, it really wasn't it, when you were like have you ever seen a jess franco and i'm like no i've heard so much about him never watched any of his movies and this is probably one of his most boring ones. It's not that bonkers, which was sad to me. But you do get, you do get Klaus Kinski playing Renfield.
3: Jess Franco is very polarizing. There aren't anyway. many just in the middle people. Uh, and you guys know me. I'm a dork. I really like to explore in as many directions as I can. I can't get into his movies, which I know will piss some people off. But I've tried. I've seen probably five or six different ones. Um, and for the most part just not my scene but um i actually haven't seen that one though that's interesting to hear that it's kind of normal
1: it's yeah it's pretty mundane like i said it's cool uh, it, christopher lee plays dracula in this one which is
3: mm. uh, but it's
2: not a hammer film right
1: not a hammer film no yeah how how weird and he's got a handlebar mustache which is awesome uh, <laughs> it like it looks like polly from american chopper <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but as he gets more blood, he gets younger, you know, kind of that trope with Dracula. But again, nothing that stands out about it. Um, Yeah, that's, I think that's all I got really. (laughs) There's, there's all my Dracula knowledge.
3: Uh, One I want to mention, because we spent a lot of time kind of hitting the high points is one of the worst versions I've ever seen is a director. I admire uh, Argento's Dracula, which was done in 3d. It is abysmal. Like, it is unbelievable <laughs> to think when you see that that the same guy that made Suspiria made that.
1: I really wanted to watch it because I've heard how bad it is. Isn't there like a
3: giant spider in it? Well, there's one of the more legendary bad parts of it is a large praying mantis. That's which it. I've seen. I've seen described That's online as though somebody actually asked if it was made on uh, MS Paint. <laughs> like it looks, it looks so bad. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's one of those ones where I don't want to let him off the hook since we're covering Dracula movies. It's bad. Um, it's it's so bad that I got a, a copy of it in one of those horror subscription boxes. I did one of those for like six months, and they gave the Blu Ray away in that. Um, it's it's rough. Uh, that's not much more else I can say other than unless you were obsessed. <laughs> With Argento and seeing his entire filmography, not one you need to see. And isn't his daughter, isn't Azia in that one too? She's the only interesting part about it. Yes, yeah, she's in it.
1: Now, let me ask you, just because it's really weird. Not not that I have into you in any interest, but does she get nude in the film?
3: <laughs> uh, I don't remember on that one. Again, always- that's one I watched two or three years ago. It's always really weird to me that he has his daughter
1: nude in his films. So Yeah,
3: same. <laughs> very much so.
2: <laughs> so
1: that's, just, that's why I bring it up folks alright what, what else
2: I mean, I, we have to honorable mention the portrayal of Dracula and the monster squad I think
0: well, absolutely so I was going to say there's a bunch of movies where Dracula is featured so I had monster squad like Blackula because people probably think oh it's black Dracula but no Dracula's in it Yep,
2: he's who uh, creates
0: who him you creates are correct Dracula. Um, I had waxwork,
3: waxwork. yep
0: uh, to Die For, which those were pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised those haven't got a re-release because those were pretty decent uh, late 80s horror films. Uh, I know you're
2: a big champion of the Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman.
0: They missed the arc <laughs> by not happy to be able to play Dracula. <laughs> uh, I do have Van Helsing on this list, though. Um, man, like- God, that you talk about a movie that I wanted to be so good.
2: Yeah. And really, the only thing that was good was The Brides of Dracula. Yeah.
0: It was probably the only thing that wasn't CGI.
2: And Kate sure. Beckinsale.
0: Um, you go get in trouble.
2: Mm, <laughs> I love her.
0: <laughs> it's trash. <laughs> and they, uh, he kind of pops up in everything from Blade, like he's in Blade 3. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Apparently, young Indiana Jones. I've never seen that episode. Huh. Uh, Doctor Who. Uh, I, I always forget the monsters because I always think of them as Grandpa, but Grandpa's essentially He is Dracula, Dracula. yep. Um, let's see. The Librarian Curse of the Judas Chalice. I'm like, I might have watched that movie if I knew it was about Dracula. Uh, Batman versus Dracula. So at this yep, point, it's kind of pops up everywhere. Um, I can't That's believe- what
2: happens when you get a public domain character.
0: two that I can't believe <laughs> Abner didn't watch is Billy the Kid versus Dracula. I've heard of that. <laughs> and and Dracula... I 3, recently 000. watched
2: Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. That's terrible.
0: <laughs> I can't believe you didn't watch Dracula 3000 with Coolio. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dracula... 3, Which doesn't that have nothing to do with Dracula 2000?
0: Like, no, nothing just... to do with it. What
3: about Dracula
0: 2099. It's a sequel to that. <laughs> um... The Sundown, the vampire uh, in retreat with uh, Bruce Campbell, where he's playing Van
3: Helsing. Don't forget the creeps that I referenced earlier. Charles Band production where they're all miniatures.
0: I don't have that on my list, but I forgot about that movie where they they leave them in the machine too long and they come out as little people.
3: Yeah. Got Uh, uh, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula. It's as ridiculous as uh, Charles Band uh, movie sounds.
1: Carrie got us. She did a week trial
0: of full moon. I'm gonna go see if that's all. It's, it's <laughs> weird. We're checking out. Um, a few that I've never heard of. That I made sure I wrote down is Dracula's dog, uh, followed by uh, Noctuma Noctima, grand granddaughter of Dracula, which is uh, John Carradine is in uh, that one and Doctor Dracula. Uh, Ooh,
2: not a, not a fan of John Carradine's Dracula. I'm not a fan of Top Hat Dracula unless it's Gary Oldman. Yes.
0: Um Love at first bite I kinda always forget about that movie, but uh does uh George Hamilton, which is another kind of spoof of Now No,
3: that's disco Dracula. Yeah,
0: so, <laughs> uh, does your list have Buff turned me on to this one the other day, uh DECULA. Dicula? Defula. Is it where he can't hear? It's it's most it's, deaf playing Dracula. It's music?
2: D-E-F Dracula. it's from the deaf comedy jam. <laughs> thanks for listening guys
3: <laughs> it's Steve Harvey as uh, <laughs> oh man that sounds horrible
2: green light it it comes in a DVD two pack can the, Madea
3: uh, pop up in that how <laughs> come Madea ain't that Dracula yeah. Dracula said call me delicious <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's Cedric but okay yeah,
3: so fine. no D-E-A-F
1: that's serious it, it's, it was like one of the first films done entirely in American sign language. And mm. so it's, it's, a, it's a Dracula
0: sign language movie. I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you sure that wasn't Dracula, Pages of a Virgin's Diary, which was the ballet Dracula filmed?
1: Fairly sure.
0: Um. I was going to say, I've I've seen the Andy Warhol Dracula, but that's because I was like 13 at the video store when I was like, hmm, what are these Andy Warhol films? But I didn't realize he did a Batman Dracula movie, which was uh, unauthorized by DC. (laughs) Nice. Um, One I'm surprised that the professor hasn't mentioned is the Fearless Vampire Killers, which is Roman Pulaski. And uh, was that Sharon Tate's last movie?
3: Uh, I don't think it was her last movie but it was the one that really connected those two that's where he met her
0: her last movie was once upon a time in Hollywood Okay. Uh, (coughs) we
3: are running out of gas
0: Jonathan from 1970 Uh, I've never heard of that movie but (laughs) at this point how about you not bring up ones you never heard of well I thought it was interesting because it was an A title Jonathan and it's more about that character and
3: this is, is our elaborate play. ploy to lead into a this sucks joke.
0: <laughs> Jonathan is the prequel and it has County Reeves in it too. 1970. Jonathan <laughs> that is a Parker. lot. Parker. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, the only other couple things that I had on here was uh, there's Dracula that NBC was trying to bring back and I think it made it a season. Yep. Um actually I heard it's good. I just I think NBC at that point screwed the pooch on Hannibal and they really didn't know what to do with those kind of series, so Hannibal was a great series. Um I was gonna say like You ate a shitting buddy. <laughs> Doug, wrap it up, bud. I have 30 more titles.
3: <laughs> I was well, gonna say we just gotta we got to go seamlessly into, because remember, we discussed we're going to close out the episode with Abner singing Dracula.
0: Yes. Uh, so, the last couple that I had to mention was uh, F Troop, where Vincent Price is Dracula, and Gilligan's Island. Uh, I do not remember any of those, so I guess those were reruns they didn't show.
3: Those are some deep cuts. Get um, up cuts.
0: And that is basically, other than Dracula's guess, which I remember that being a turd and straight-to-video, but I think they were... Uh, at that point. And then since we've been talking, they've made 30 new Dracula films. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, doggies. When
1: That's do it. We, we got to go out on a high note. When do we get Dracula goes to Amityville?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's happening as we speak. Thanks
0: for doing that.
3: You just it's, doing it's that a found
0: movie. footage movie.
3: <laughs> going to space too. <laughs>
0: No, is, has is, a, wait, has there no Dracula 3000s in space
3: with cool? Oh, God.
0: Uh, have, uh, have they not made a found footage Dracula film? Because I feel like that would have been on Abner's list. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you did that you mentioned. All right, folks. Well, you have
1: journeyed along with us through the wide, weird world of the sad goth that is Dracula.
2: Dracula.
1: Dracula.
2: Dracula.
1: So, uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy having an excuse to watch some that i would never seen. Here so, we go. Uh, I won. I'm never watching any of them again. So, that being said, <laughs> uh, we are the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by
2: Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny,
1: Atani, Stay Scary. I can't.